The following is a message of First Baptist Richardson. For more information, please visit fbcr.org. Thank you for that music, the hymn of heaven. I love that. What a wonderful name. I did note a little uptick among us older folks with how great thou art. That helped us. But it was all good. I love the violin. For 17 years, I stood behind this pulpit, sharing each Sunday God's Word to this congregation. And then, 16 years have passed, if you can believe that, since I retired as your pastor. And it's my privilege to stand here. Oh, there's the violinist. Good job. It's my privilege to stand here again today and share God's Word. And I've got to tell you, it feels every bit as comfortable now as it did then. If you have your Bible, I want you to turn to our text for today, the first of our texts for today, in Luke chapter 24. We'll look at a couple of other passages, so you need to keep your Bibles open. But we begin in Luke chapter 24, verses 1 through 10. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of our Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, he has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The son of man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, And on the third day, be raised again. And then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the 11 and to the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. I've preached many times on this particular passage and the other parallels in the other gospels in my years in the ministry because this passage proclaims the basic truth which is the foundation for the Christian faith which is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In those times in the past when I preached on this passage, I would focus at times on Mary Magdalene or on Peter or on the the angels that announced the resurrection or on the soldiers who tried unsuccessfully to stop the resurrection. But this morning, I want to focus our attention on what some might consider a throwaway phrase 
at the end of verse 10. Verse 10 says, it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the others with them. This morning, I want to focus on the others with them. It's kind of the character of our day and our time to give special attention to those who lead the pack, to those who generate the great ideas, to those who control the movement in the development of world history. I'm talking about the stars. Unfortunately, that attitude has seeped over into the church And we find ourselves on occasion applauding only those whose names everybody knows and celebrating only those deeds that everyone sees. But when we stand before the Lord in that time of glory, he will not just commend the Peters and the Mary Magdalene's and the Martin Luther's and the Billy Grahams of our time. He will also celebrate the others with them. Jesus illustrates his uh, love for, his celebration of those unknown, unnamed characters in the Bible in an experience that is described for us in Mark chapter 12. So if you have your Bible still open, Turn to Mark chapter 12 and begin with me in verse 41. Having concluded his dialogue with the religious leaders, Jesus sat down in the temple to observe all of the worshipers who were coming by, dropping their offerings into the offering receptacle. Mark verse 12, 41 says, Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple's treasury and many rich people threw in, notice that term, threw in, flipped in, many rich people threw in large amounts. And when I read that verse, I I remembered a warning that Jesus gave in another place in Matthew 6, 2. He said, When you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by men. Think about that picture. Does that mean that a worshiper would come into the temple accompanied by his, not violinist, but his trumpeter? And when he dropped or flipped his offering into the receptacle, the trumpet would stand back and say, just imagine that, that scene. Another commentator suggests a different explanation. He says that what this was referring to was that the receptacles that were like upside down trumpets and the worshipers had learned how to throw their coins in where it twirled all the way down, making noise all the way down, drawing the attention of all the people to this wonderful rich person who gave such a great offering. But Jesus changes his his focus in verse 42 from these wealthy worshipers who 
throw in their large amounts of money to another person that probably nobody even noticed. Mark calls her a poor widow. Instead of giving a large amount, she has only two copper coins. Instead of drawing attention to herself, she slips in so unobtrusively that nobody even notices her. We don't even know her name. Her gift seems to be so small, so insignificant that no one would even think twice about it. And yet, here in our passage in Mark 12, Jesus magnifies her gift, says, this is greater than the gifts of all these others. Why? He tells us. He said, they, in verse 44, they all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, she gave everything, all she had to live on. 2,000 years later, we still remember her, still commend her. Not because she did something spectacular, but because she did the best she could with what she had. Helen Keller once wrote, the world is moved along not only by the mighty shoves of its heroes, but also by the aggregate of the tiny pushes of every honest worker. If you remember nothing else I've said today, I want you to remember this. Jesus honors the nameless and sometimes unnoticed members of the others with them. Now, when we, when we recognize the importance of that, when we recognize the importance of the others with them, that should, in, that should encourage us. What does it take for us to make it a difference in the kingdom of God? You ever ask yourself that question? What can I do? What can I accomplish with what I have? What can I accomplish that means something for the kingdom of God? The answer to that question is simply this. It only takes one person who is willing to do what we can with what we have where we are. Let me tell a story to illustrate that. There was a a little girl named Hattie Wyatt. She went to uh, a church in Philadelphia, the Grace Baptist Church, that was founded by the converted lawyer, Dr. Russell Conwell. This was a church that was growing rapidly, but they only had a small building. And one Sunday morning, she and her mother got to church and they couldn't get in. There were so many people, every chair was taken, every pew was taken, they had to turn around and go back home. And when they got back home, she said to her mother, we must have a bigger church. A few months later, this young girl got sick and she died. When Dr. Conwell walked up to the platform to do her funeral service, her mother 
handed to him a little faded, worn out red packet. And inside of that were 57 pennies and a note that said, this is for our new church. When he got to the platform, he told the congregation what had just happened. And and it moved the congregation. And the people began to give like they had never given before. And four years later, they moved into their big, beautiful new sanctuary. But that's not even the end of the story. That incident inspired Russell Conwell to write a, 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 a sermon or a message that was called Acres of Diamonds. He preached that message 6,000 times. And in those occasions when he preached that message, he received offerings of over $3 million. It built the life of that church. With that, he founded Temple University with that, he formed a Baptist a, a, a hospital there that was associated with the church. Just think of that. A new church, a college, an oration that inspired millions to give, a hospital. And all of that came as a result of the gift of a little 12-year-old girl, 50 seven pennies. Think about that. What do you have to give? Do you have hundreds? Do you have thousands? Do you have 57 pennies? Just think of what our contribution can make. So again, the question, what do we have to do to make an impact for God's kingdom? It just takes one person who is willing to do what we can, where we are, with what we have. That realization this morning should encourage every one of us because it means that every person here today, whoever you are, every person here today can make a contribution to the kingdom of God. It's a word of encouragement. But there's another side to this message. It's not only a word of encouragement, but it's also a word of challenge. If all of us can make a difference in the kingdom of God, then all of us should make a difference in the kingdom of God. God expects us to do it. God wants us to do it. Whatever you have in your hand, whatever he has given us, God wants us to use that for his kingdom work. Jesus captures that idea in the third passage I want to look at today in Matthew chapter 25. If you'll go back one one book, Matthew 25, beginning in verse 14. Jesus made that point 
In one of his most famous parables, the parable of the talents, we read about it beginning in verse 14 in Matthew 25. Jesus tells us about a master who was going on a journey. And before he left, he brought his three servants in, his three slaves in, and he distributed his goods, his talents, his money to those three servants. To one he gave five, to another he gave two, and to another he gave one. What would these servants do with the master's money? Well, Jesus starts, if you have your Bible in Matthew 25, verse 16, with the man with five talents. What does he do with those five talents? Well, he goes out and uses those five talents and he doubles his amount. He ends up with 10. Then Jesus describes the response of the slave to whom the master gives two talents. Verse 17. So what does he do with those two talents? He goes out and he uses them and earns two more talents and now he has four. Finally, Jesus gives to that third servant one talent. He looks at that one talent, he thinks about the two talent guy and he thinks about the five talent guy and he looks at this little old one talent and he said, this isn't much. I can't do anything with this. And if I try to do something, I might lose it and I won't have anything. So the Bible says he buries it in the ground and does nothing with it. Well, finally, the master returns. And verse 19 says that he settled accounts with his servants. Master deals first with that servant who had five talents. The slave, the servant had gone out and used those five talents that he had and he brought back 10 talents, doubled the talents that he had. And the master reflects his approval in verse 21 by saying, he is a good and faithful servant. Then he he rewards him. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. And then the two-talent man comes. What has he done? He's doubled his as well. And Jesus' response to the two-talent man duplicates the response to the five-talent man. In both instances, the slave doubles the amount. In both instances, the master expresses an exclamation of approval. In both instances, the master calls him good and faithful servant. In both instances, the master says, you have been faithful in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. In both instances, the master issues the same invitation, share in your master's happiness. Five-talent man doubled it. The master blessed him. Two-talent man doubled it. The master blessed him. But then the mood changes, if you'll notice in verse 24, when the master deals with that third slave. What did he do? Well, nothing. He took that one talent, small as it was, insignificant as it was, he took that one talent and the Bible says he buried it. The master responds immediately to him. We don't hear him call this guy a good and faithful servant. Instead, he describes him in verse 26 as a wicked, lazy slave. 
and folded into the conclusion of this parable is this word from the master. For everyone who has will be, has will be given more and he who has an abundance, whoever does not have even what he has will be taken from him. So why does the master respond to this third servant like this? Because he expects every one of us, no matter how much or how little we have, how many or how few talents we have, the master expects each one of us to use what we have where we are to do what we can. We might not be able to do spectacular things for God. We might not be the stars of the kingdom of God, but we can do something. And what we can do, we should do. God expects us to do it. God desires us to do it. So the verse which is our text for today that we began with in Luke 24 verse 10 says that it was Mary, Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James and the others with them who reported to the apostles the news of Jesus' resurrection. And in that simple phrase, the others with them, we have today both a word of encouragement and a word of challenge. A word of encouragement, all of us, any of us can do something. And a word of challenge, all of us should do something. Years ago, there was a man named Edmund Edward Everett Hale who made a statement that is, has lingered over the years and reminds us of him. This is the statement. I am I am only one, but I am one. I can't do everything, but I can do something. And what I can do, I ought to do. And what I ought to do, by the grace of God, I will do. We might not be stars in the kingdom of God, but we can all be a part of the others with them. Let's pray together. Lord, sometimes we get so discouraged. We see others who stand on this platform and sing and others who do all these things and we think to ourselves, what can we do? What difference can we make? And I pray this morning, Lord, that you would plant this truth, this truth in our hearts, that every one of us can do something to make a difference in the kingdom of God. And I pray today, Lord, that as we leave this place, each one of us will join that crowd of the others with them. This is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.